lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Aaron McIntyre. He is Todd Erzin. You are you. Let us know. What you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the program steve at stevedace.com. And that's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe Parlor Gab, at least for now on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show on Getter and for now on Twitter. Uh, you can also get clips of the show, which you can find over on rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, and they are both free of censorship and free to watch as well. Also, uh, back by popular demand, in fact, I had completely forgotten about this until several of you pinged me, uh, we have, uh, again, if you want to see if you can beat my bracket, so I have finished like in the top 1% at ESPN.com for I think like five years in a row or four out of the last five, and then the year I didn't make it, I was in the top 2%. Because I have this system that has correctly predicted eight of the last 10 teams to play for the national championship. And a lot of times we fill out those NCAA tournament brackets. Everybody wants to be the smart guy about the first round or two, right? Notice, though, that the points for getting it right get bigger as the bracket goes on. So you actually want to be more accurate later in the bracket, not earlier on. It's not about calling the 12-5 upset. It's about calling who's playing on that championship Monday and that final for Saturday. All right. That's where the big money comes in. So if you want to see if you can beat my bracket, I've got it set up again. Uh, The Steve Day Show group is open for business. I don't think you need a password or anything. I didn't I didn't request one. Just look for the Steve Day Show bracket uh, in their Steve Day Show group with ESPN's Tournament Bracket Challenge with the Steve Day Show group over at ESPN.com. And good luck. I, I think last year we had like over 500 people or something. Yeah. Yes. It was and a pretty big number. You're not going to be able to see Steve's bracket until the tournament starts. I don't think they'll let you, let you see it until the tournament if starts. If you join the, yeah, if you're in the competition, correct. Um, but if you want to ask me what I have, I've, I've, you know, I'll do a video later today where I'll put my you know bracket picks out there and how I make those picks. It's not like I intended to be top secret. I don't mind helping people. And who knows now that I'm out there, you know, this would be the year we'll fall flat on our face. Isn't that how it always works, right? All right. It's tough to keep something going six years in a row, particularly this year with how wide open this process looks. So again, uh, look for the Steve Day Show group name when you go over to the ESPN bracket challenge. Oh, and you're only allowed one bracket. You can only enter in because this is a bracket for men and the women who like them. All right. You can only enter one bracket, just one. All right. Uh, Also uh, coming up on the program today, fake news or not at the bottom of this hour is something I read over the weekend and I had, man, I had social media posts galore ready to go in response to this. And I thought, nope, I don't see anybody else sharing this right now. So I'm going to spring this live cold turkey on Todd and Aaron for fake news or not. They have they don't have a clue what it is. I've not given them a singular hint. All right. I'm just gonna I've got the I've got the piece and I'm just gonna start reading it in real time here at the bottom of the hour and just let you guys react. All right. Is is walking off the set Dacian style? Is that an option? Uh, you you might. 
Okay. You might. Yeah, you might. Uh, we'll also be joined by Delano Squires. If you are a fan of our colleague, uh, Jason Whitlock's program, he's basically his prophet of woe and lamentation. And he has a piece out uh, over the weekend over at theblaze.com. What's he call it? The Afrostocracy. Uh, it might be the best piece I have read so far this year. I mean, it it packs a wallop. It's a neutron bomb. Uh, he will join us to talk about that and other matters here at the top of next hour. And then you're running out of time if you're watching or listening live uh, to get in a viewing of the Batman before we discuss it in depth with our review. In fact, the movie's about three hours long. So even if you start it now, you're out of time. All right. Uh, even though we won't get to it for another hour and a half, but we will discuss it for Pop Culture Tuesday. I did like it more the second time. Uh, and I didn't dislike it the first time. I thought it was a very good movie. I just didn't think it was Dark Knight transcendent like a lot of the billing. But I thought it was very well done. There were just things about it that I thought, eh. But the more that watching it the second time, though, now I can see, I can see the symmetry of the story a little bit better. And uh, we'll get into some of those flourishes. And uh, the, what is this now? The sixth or seventh? Well, we had what two Tim Bur- or two Tim Burton movies. We had two Joel Schumacher movies. So that's four. Um, and then we had the two Zack Snyder films. So that's six. We had the three Christopher Nolan movies. That's nine. So this is the 10th Batman film they have made since you and I were in high school. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, arguably the most bankable character in American pop culture right now at the box office. So uh, we will discuss its latest iteration for Pop Culture Tuesday later in the program. But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, we begin, as always, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by inflation once again. U.S. producer price inflation rose by 10% in February. That's the largest year-over-year increase on record. Rear Admiral Buttigieg says there's nothing he or the government can do about gas prices. Let's also remember that while oil prices and, and gas prices are famously something that is largely outside of the direct control of any political figure, there are a lot of things that we could be doing right now that would bring direct relief to the pocketbooks of American families uh, that are greater than most any family's gasoline bill. That includes lowering the cost of insulin. President's for it. We're getting a lot of pushback from it or on it. Uh, lowering the cost of child care. We're for it. We're getting a lot of pushback, uh, often from the very same people who are criticizing us over, uh, over inflation or, or gas prices. Leaders of Saudi Arabia and China are set to meet together in order to strengthen ties, particularly when it comes to oil. The Wall Street Journal reports Saudi Arabia is looking to accept payment for its oil to China in Yuan. USA Today has named the artist formerly known as Dick Levine as one of its Women of the Year. We told you yesterday the White House briefed TikTok influencers about the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Here's the result. Russia is one of the top three producers of oil, and it is actually their number one revenue source. Now, with Putin starting this horrific fight between Ukraine and Russia, nobody wants to work with him and do an international trade. That's TikTok influencer Ellie Zeeler, who has over 10 million followers on that platform. Headline at Salon, are there really neo-Nazis fighting for Ukraine? Well, yes, but it's a long story. And now for some whiplash, the ridiculous case of NBA star Kyrie Irving, as told by... Comedy Central's Trevor Noah. Right here in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams has lifted the rule that you have to be vaccinated to attend indoor events. Okay, that's gone. But 
there is still a rule that you have to be vaccinated to go to your workplace. So if someone's job is at an indoor event, they can't go to work, but they can show up to work to watch their colleagues do their thing. Yeah, which is exactly what happened this weekend. A big matchup at Barclays Center with the Nets taking on the Knicks, but Kyrie Irving, who's ineligible to play in the city for failing to comply with the vaccine mandate for city workers, he might have stolen the show. He attended the game as a fan and watched his Nets win from the sidelines. He paid for a ticket, just like a regular person. Yeah, guys, I, I, I don't care like how COVID compliant you are. Like this makes zero sense. Can we agree on that? Can we, what? So Kyrie can go inside, not wear a mask, even hug a teammate, but he cannot play. I don't get it. Why? Does the ball have a weak immune system? What's going on? Blaze TV's Sarah Gonzalez recently attended a rally for Texas gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke and rolled tape when this happened. We can't take a video. And uh, my question was... Oh, sorry, we're not recording. No, 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 sorry, sorry. We're not don't recording. touch my phone. We're not Excuse me. Yes, both a Beto O'Rourke staffer and a Dallas Police Department officer laid hands on Sarah for no ascertainable reason. Gonzalez says she and her attorneys are exploring their options. Here's a Georgia Democrat state representative opposing a constitutional carry bill making its way through the state house. It's all about we're so self-centered. It's my freedom, my rights, my, my, my. Headline advice. What is radical monogamy? The story details a new trend in some circles of secular culture who have apparently just discovered that monogamy is actually a good thing. And finally, when supporting Ukraine is your new identity, here's comedian Ryan Long. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I transformed into a Ukraine guy and gotta say that I'm loving my new personality. Will you guys denounce Russia? Oh, you're still telling people to stay at home and get vaccinated? <laughs> oh, no, no, it's cool. I mean, yeah, whatever works for you, dude. Ukraine for life. Well, you know what I mean, for a couple weeks till we get the next one. This was Putin, I just sort of give him one of these. Maybe one of these. I was a big Palestine guy, I was a big Afghanistan guy. What's going on there now? Yeah, actually pretty good question. I haven't really checked in on it. Are they still doing the whole being a country thing? Oh look, it's Putin's home. You either want America to get in there and start mucking things up, or you love Putin and want to marry him and have sex with him. Yeah, I'm a pretty binary thinker. I'm non-binary and everything else though. Yeah, in an ideal world, they wouldn't be white, but at least the bad guys are white, you know? I try to look on the bright side. Again, that's comedian Ryan Long, who has a new stand-up special on YouTube, if you're into that sort of thing. And that's what happened while we were away. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by Better Spectacles. If you have just a regular old prescription or a problematic one like mine, a little far and a little near, uh, the good news is uh, they've got handcrafted, German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear available for mass production and distribution in the U.S. for the first time ever. One of the leading companies in the world. They've been around for almost 150 years. So you don't have to wear those dorky frames anymore if you don't want to. Just talk to the expert opticians over at Better Spectacles. They specialize in any kind of prescription. Again, simple or difficult like mine. And if you want to schedule one of their tele optical appoint appointments. You don't even have to leave your house. Uh, they'll give you access to their same in-store opticians that are some of the best trained in the country. And they'll throw in those handcrafted rodent stock frames 
for free plus 61% off as an introductory offer to get you started today. When you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. That's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. In the overtime today, we will discuss more about Trevor Noah. True story. That is the longest I have ever heard him speak. Ever. Is the clip of his that we just played. I've never tuned in for that long. But it's not, this isn't an isolated event. Right. He had the he had to, he, he took down something that was critical of Biden during the State of the Union, if I recall. Right. Uh, there was a statement he made last week that, hey, if um, was it the Saudis or the United Arab Emirates, you know, if Trump had called them, they would have picked up the phone as opposed to ignoring Biden. So this is now the third thing in recent times that he has kind of called BS on. So is he on the brink of being the next Bill Maher? We will discuss later today in the overtime on blazetv.com slash dace. We will record it right after today's live program and then upload it later today for Blaze TV subscribers to watch at blazetv.com slash dace. And if you'd like to become a Blaze TV subscriber, just go there now and get a discount today at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to uh, what is in Aaron's montage. I, I want to start with that TikTok video. Do you have the ability? Can you play that again by yeah, any chance? Just give me a couple seconds. Okay. So I've never even been on the app. I'm familiar with it because I have teenagers, right? You know, and I just can't monitor everything. So this is something my wife has monitored our teenagers uses of usage of in the past. I would imagine with daughters, you are familiar with it on some level. They had it for a little while and then I took it away from them. Okay. Not, they weren't abusing it, but I learned more about it and it was just, they were just like learning. the fact that even our own uh, sold out to the Shycom military yes. won't let the military members Correct. use it because even they think it's too obvious of a Shycom propaganda yeah. or spying outlet. Correct. All right. All right. So, all right, let's, let's watch this video again. And I want you to tell me if you noticed something, because I noticed it right away. Why is gas so expensive and why is the United There's States one. inflation rate at a four time decade high? I had the opportunity to ask the White House why gas down the street is $7, and here's what they said. The obvious reason, we're getting out of a two-year pandemic. When use goes up, price goes up. But the call was predominantly about Ukraine and Russia, so how does that relate? Russia is There's one of two. the top three producers of oil, and it is actually their number one revenue source. Now, with Putin starting this horrific fight between Ukraine and Russia, nobody wants to work with him and do an international trade. So with people being There's scared four. of war and limited resources, prices are bound to go up as well. For the people who can't Five. pay $7 for a gallon of gas, there's an app called Gas Buddy that shows you the cheapest gas near you, as well as a link in my Six. bio to donate to the misplaced refugees of Ukraine. All right, I counted six things there. Did you guys notice what I counted? I did. Yeah. yeah. Six different hair parts. It was a long day, Steve. Six different hair parts. How long is that video? Less than a minute. We're so done here. I mean, we are absolutely so done here. We are now living in an era. I, by the way, I work for a major media platform. I've never seen that woman in my life. Okay. What's her name, Aaron? I can't even remember now. It's, it doesn't matter. Breaking. I just saw it on Twitter. She's she's going to announce later this afternoon she's running for president of the United why, States. Why not? I mean, why not? Now we go to people we, we've never even heard of who have six different hair parts within a video that is less than a minute and is nothing other than 
literal cutting and pasting reading of talking points that she was given by the White House. So here we are. And, and hey, before we get all uppity, remember, we had diamond and silk. Let's move on. Um, this, is, this is all over the place. This is not just, again, we have to understand this is a systemic metastasizing tumor of a culture right now. And it is sadly not relegated any longer. We had a chance to kind of keep it there. But nah, we decided we needed Republicans who were fiscally responsible and socially liberal. So no, man, it's out now. It's everywhere now. There there is no containing it now. It's everywhere, right? Both sides have their stupids now. Um, I mean, we had we had to address the uh, the who was that conservative trans dude a few years ago. We had to address that. Right. I mean, uh, there's the conservative case for drag queen story time hour. No, 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 no. This is we, we, we had a chance like a decade ago to just keep the crazy where it originated. But yeah, I mean, we had to nominate guys like Romney and McCain because if we had lost the next election the, and handed the country, then if we didn't hand the country to those two schmucks, then th- it was over. So we had to just you know sell our souls and it worked. And the one thing we have successfully done on the right is sell our souls. Hot damn. I mean, we have done that. That's a ringing endorsement of a success. We have done that well. Not sure we've done anything else well, frankly. But that one... Oh, and now that we have shown that they're of no use to us whatsoever, I got to know from somebody, dude, Mike DeWine is signing constitutional carry. Well, of course he is. Everybody in Ohio just showed him over the last two couple of years, you'll do whatever the hell the government tells you to do. Carry all the guns you want. Own all the guns you want. Buy all the ammo you want. You're of no, <laughs> you're no, you're of no threat. Go ahead. It's just a sport. It's just an identity. That's you know. That's really, dude. That's our identity politic right there. Guns. That's the one we roll with on the right. Guns. That's all it is. It's an identity politic. Doesn't actually you know operate as any form of an insurance policy for you know. I'm not exactly sure. I have to tolerate this tyranny. So, I mean, I'll, 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 in the end, you know, I've got an insurance policy against that called the Second Amendment. That's what it was intended for. Nah. So, at this point, man, the blue states might as well sign. Might as well give you constitutional carry. I mean, yes, I mean, they're, you're, you're, we're of no threat to them. We'll, we'll comply with anything. I mean, how many, how many, how many, how many red staters there in Ohio dutifully made sure that their little princess didn't dare walk into a Walmart without being choked out as they then scurried back to their cars to tune in the tune to tune on to tune into war room podcast with Bannon. How many of you think did that? All of them is the answer. All of them. While we're calling BS, Remember when they told us that expanding the definition of marriage would just mean we'd have even more of it? Remember that? Remember that propaganda? I do. Yeah. By the way, latest numbers, um, we have the lowest marriage rate in American history since we started tracking the statistic after the Civil War. Lowest ever. Fewest amount of married households in American history right now. 
So expanding the definition of marriage actually devalued it on an institutional level. It didn't give us more marriage. It gave us less of it. Similarly, if you have a vagina, a real one, you are being devalued now too. Just as expanding the definition. In fact, that's really all you are now. You're not, there's no other value. There's nothing else that indicates or signifies you are a woman except maybe that. And that's it. And that's growing increasingly insignificant as well. Just ask Dick Levine. Now, just as expanding the definition of marriage gave us, in no short order, more devaluing of marriage to the point now we have the least amount of marriage we've ever had as a society right now. The same thing will now happen to what it means to be a woman. Womanhood, femininity will matter even less. It will be devalued institutionally yet all the more. Hail the matriarchy. All right, I've said quite a bit already. Anybody want to chime in on that? Before I just go ahead and alienate everybody that's watching and listening right now. I'm all in for that. What am I going to, what do I have left to say on the, the gender nonsense? So let's not bore anybody with my nonsense. I think, I, think, I think people like your nonsense. I think they like it, actually. Do they? Yeah. I There's just, something about your irascibility that I think people find... Comforting? In, endearing. <laughs> they just detest mine. Okay? <laughs> Not to yes. mention Todd is ahead. I, no offense to you, Steve, but Todd is Todd's ahead of the curve of, of both of us on multiple things. Um, it's going to get worse in 2017 than it was in 2016. Never understood why he hated slow crosswalkers so much until I experienced one the other day, and now I understand. Um, I, saw, nice. I saw a take the other day. Speaking of, of having, ch- having a chance, Steve, we had multiple chances. I was, I was reliably informed every election of my lifetime was the most important ele- election of our lifetimes. So we had multiple chances to keep the crazy at bay, but no... We, we opted for the show more often than not. We opted for um, whatever we were told to do more often than not until, until Donald Trump came along and we busted out of that. Um, and yet, and yet there's going to be a, there's going to be an attempt in the coming years, if we even have that much time left as a society, there's going to be an attempt to re-rack 2008, 2012, all over again, from a political standpoint on the right. The same players, the same people. We're trying to reenact 1984 right now with Russia and Ukraine. I, I was, I saw this take over the weekend. It was from somebody you would expect a stupid take like this from. Uh, that uh, Mitt Romney would be the right's best option come 2024. Did we do he, this once? Because because 
he has the best chance of uniting the not left crowd in America. But the only thing standing in his way is Donald Trump's feelings. Yes, that is a great take. That's a great take. The only Mitt Romney is such a great candidate in 2024 that the only thing stopping him are the feelings of a what 80 year old man. Yeah, that's a great. They're going to try to re-rack this nonsense again. What remains to be seen is whether or not they're going to be able to re-rack this. I, I remain dubious to some degree that they are. Um, but we still have opportunities. We may not be successful in the end. We still have opportunities, even if it's, you know, not to keep the crazy at bay, to not be played the fool once more. I, I hope, I hope that we take that opportunity. I, I hope. But um, again, not not super optimistic. We now turn to you, Todd, for optimism. Well, since you let off the show with the TikTok influencer, like what is she influencing? Like most of the time, I guess, is my That's question. a great point. What is she? What's the rest of her content? Yeah. I have no idea. But wh- whatever it is, th- it, that's... That's that's not even a Hail Mary. I, the sad thing about that is the math of the way they're thinking about quote-unquote influencing is probably sound from their point of view. The, the, their level, uh, this is what you just saw, and this word is, I'm so happy. Uh, I, I used it and I was, you know, they had the cops calling me because I used it in my local school district, but it's being used everywhere now. And I was on the, speaking of on the cutting edge, grooming, very much so, uh, very important that we're talking about this, but grooming is a multifaceted thing. They reached out, Jen Saki reached out to this person to reach out to God only knows who she's talking to because they're grooming you. They're, they're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Con- it's it's con- call it what you will conditioning probably the amount of voters that will matter this november that that woman with the six hair parts in less than a minute reaches is insignificant okay but the amount of voters that she may reach five or ten years that, that will matter five or ten years mm-hmm. from now is quite significant yeah. that's exactly right yeah meanwhile meanwhile we've got prominent names of you know even on our own platform out there calling folks who are wondering what is the point of dying for the kleptocracy of Ukraine, the, quote, Putin wing of the GOP. So we are always, I mean, Rick Scott puts out a list of issues that we would have thought were great for Republicans to run on 10 years ago, and McConnell and his team are already in the pages of Politico attacking him for it. Um, That's, that's, these guys, we are aligned with people who, who can't get over what happened in the 80s, and I say this man as I love Reagan. I grew up in that era, but I'm not 70. I've got kids still in my home that, that you know, are going to inherit this mess. I'm not afforded the luxury of, of looking back to 19, it's 1986 as the inflection point for my, for my permanent views of planet Earth. I'm not afforded that. I'm not a multimillionaire with a compound or a secret hideout I call my home. And I, don't, and I have young kids at home. 
I don't have the op who are not out of my house yet. I don't have the luxury nor the wealth to just go back to whatever inflection point made me originally rich or originally informed my view of the world and just keep re-racking that with magical thinking all the time and then just scream even louder. And this is the time that people will listen to me. I'm, th we have to accept reality. The reality is we're being outflanked by a TikTok chick with six hair parts. But cool, dude, you sold two million books last year on a topic that's 30 years old. Great. I didn't know I was in this mood until we started talking. But I mean, this is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. We're just not a serious people. We're not a serious opposition. We're not a serious party. We're not a serious anything. Which just goes to show the, the smartest damn thing the Biden White House has done yet is take their message to TikTok. This is them for once actually accepting reality. These people are so dumb. For real. It's a bed intruder culture. Talk to the TikTok chick. Yeah. Do that. Last week, I talked to a state rep from Knox County, Tennessee. Who couldn't believe his own people in one of the reddest districts of one of the reddest states wouldn't defy a mask mandate for their kids. So, yeah, talk to the damn TikTok chick. See if you can get down with seven or eight hair parts in a take. Goodness. I was actually in a good mood when I came in here today. Sorry. Damn it. More in a moment. Boy, if the last couple of years have taught us anything, it's that you must take control of your own health. It's clear you simply cannot rely on government organizations or big pharma to protect you or your family. And that's where the Z-Stack comes in. It is specially, a specially formulated immune boosting supplement that includes zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and D formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, the world-renowned doctor. President Trump credited with his successful early treatment protocol and his decision to take hydroxychloroquine. ZStack has been scientifically formulated. It's kosher, GMP certified, and it's all produced right here in the US, U.S. of A. By taking it, you are supercharging your immune system. It is formulated to help combat any and all variants as well as the flu. So I encourage you to start taking it now. Stay ahead of whatever they plan to do to us later. When you go to zstacklife.com slash DACE, that's D-E-A-C-E, use the promo code DACE and you'll get a discount on your first order. When you go to Z as in zebra, zstacklife.com slash DACE. All right, let's get to fake news or not. And I don't know that we've ever done it this way before, where I am just going to begin reading something that I found over the weekend and... I didn't share it on purpose because I wanted to spring it on you guys and the audience in real time. All right. I don't think we've ever done it this way before, nor do I think we have ever done it with a piece written in Sports Illustrated. Hmm. Are you ready for this? So I'm just going to begin reading 
And here we go. This is what I think it is. I'm not ready. I think I have an idea. Lisa Berry told her husband to put the doctor on the phone. She couldn't believe the words she had just heard. They want to put you on a ventilator? That doesn't make any sense. But that was exactly what the doctor told her. Hospital staff were preparing to connect her husband to the breathing machine by inserting a tube down his windpipe and into his lungs. He had COVID-19 double pneumonia and doctors said he had a 50-50 chance of survival at best. About a year earlier, Lisa's seemingly healthy brother was in the same position. Doctors put him on a ventilator, but he died 28 days later at age 53. So she knew that a ventilator was a last resort for her husband. This is our only option, the doctor said. Was there enough time for Lisa to make the short drive to the hospital to see her husband before he was sent into a medically induced coma? No, the doctor said. It's an emergency. After speaking with a doctor, Lisa heard her husband's withering voice next. He fought for each breath. The conversation was short. They told each other, I love you. And she added through tears, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Then, moments later, Todd Berry's world went dark. To most in college football, Barry is the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association and one of the most influential leaders in the sport. He sits on various NCAA governance committees that create and approve policy, and he's the leader and spokesperson for hundreds of college football coaches. A former coach himself, Barry had stints with Army and Louisiana Monroe. But among doctors and nurses at Baylor's Hillcrest Medical Center's ICU unit, Barry had a nickname, Golden Boy. And on January 24th, 11 days after being admitted to the hospital, 11 days, and six days after being removed from a ventilator, Golden Boy walked out to a parade of cheers. Nurses and doctors were celebrating an unusual occurrence. A patient who had been connected to a ventilator for four days and lived to tell about it. I feel very fortunate to be here right now, Barry says. When I left there, I was trying to thank everybody and they were clapping. The doctor said, we needed this as much as you. We haven't had a lot of success here. This gets worse. Barry, 61, agreed to share his personal story with Sports Illustrated as a way to remind people that the pandemic lingers within college sports as it does across the world. He's a survivor of COVID-19 with double pneumonia, one of the few within major college sports to speak publicly about his serious experience with this virus. A grizzled, hard-nosed, and sometimes stubborn former football coach brought to the cusp of death by an invisible enemy, Barry is now more willing to discuss COVID-19 and the vaccine, encouraging those against vaccination to reconsider. This is going to get worse. I certainly have more of a message on this than before, he says. I take the next round a little more seriously. I've been much more open to talk about this than I was. And even some of my friends who weren't vaccinated have gotten vaccinated since this time frame. Coaching and being around football, you fight fight through these things. There's a certain amount of pride that gets in the way. You don't think you're bulletproof. But you do have that mentality. I had to embrace something I didn't think would come. All right, that's the one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen paragraphs into this story now. Eighteen paragraphs. Have you ever heard the phrase burying the lead? You ever heard this phrase before? Yes. Burying the lead? What does it mean? I'm about to show you. Because we come now to paragraph 19. Paragraph 19. The 19th paragraph of this story. 
For those of you that went to government school, that's the number after eight. Never mind. It's just far down. I think the TikTok chick even knows that. Are you ready? No. Barry, who was in good health without any underlying conditions. Barry, who was in good health without any underlying conditions was vaccinated before being hospitalized. Paragraph 19. The 19th paragraph. That non-binary beings is what we call burying the lead. Yeah, I think we were too hard on the TikTok check after all. Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated, brother, I gotta tell you. You have the wrong career path. I don't know if MSNBC's higher in G. But you're certain, certainly you're better at this than Don Lemon over at CNN. Might be as good as Jen Psaki. No doubt. This is the 19th paragraph. <laughs> Barry, who was in good health without any underlying conditions, was vaccinated before being hospitalized. He received two doses of the Moderna vaccine last spring. But he had not yet gotten his third booster shot. (laughs) And the vaccine's effectiveness has found to be decreased with time, according to the CDC. We have seen everybody from Barack Obama to how many stars test positive despite being fully jabbed, right? And then say, but if it wasn't for the jab, right? I I took the birth control at Planned Parenthood. They gave me that patch shot. And I still got pregnant, but if I had not gotten that shot, I would have had triplets. That's the, how many times have we seen this argument, right? This is the first time, though, that I have seen. I have seen this argument. I was at, I took the shot. It failed me. I was at death's door. I have no underlying medical conditions. Even the doctors at Baylor were like, most of the time people don't get on the ventilator. They don't walk out of here alive, money. So <laughs> you're pumped. So are we. We, we don't get to see that very often. <laughs> I don't know who's more excited here. The nurses in between TikTok videos who just got fired for not getting the jab, who the few, the few, the proud, they don't see many people walk out of the ICU after being on one of those vents either. Or you, who is the person who got out of here? And then here is his wife's quote. And I won't even read on from here because it goes on. It just repeats everything, all the same propaganda again. Todd is here for two reasons. The vaccine and God. (laughs) That's the funniest damn thing I have read and seen in I don't know how long. Maybe I should have started the show off with this segment. And I would have been in a much better mood. I mean, I, I think maybe the only reason he got off that ventilator is he was one of the he was one of the he's the only person on the on the ventilator vaccinated. If he had not gotten if he had not gotten the Moderna jabs before he got on the ventilator, I mean he'd be dead right now. We're done here. You guys can go now. I made my point. I want your reactions. 
Man, that's the second segment in a row. You, you've you've teed it up for me on gender and vaccines. Those are my jams. But I'm I'm in the same place you this are. This is so Ooh. deplorable and so yeah. depraved that it, that it just you just you just hang your head. We're done. We're done here. We're just we're just we're just done here. I think I do, and I've said this before on the show. I, I think a lot about what can be said and how it can be said differently. You know, this this industry, it's a lot of fun as a profession, but how could we redo segments? Have we we have these conversations? How can things be written differently? to defeat this level of invincible ignorance. This would you, see this guy is supposed to have had the, an actual epiphany based on his circumstances. This is, you know, saw the light, heard the trumpets, given a second chance, come back to earth. This is the exact kind of guy who is supposed to like reset it for us all, or at least take a shot at it. And no, he and his wife, honestly, and the clapping seals, I, I, honestly, I'd rather get a medical opinion from the TikTok girl than from the doctors who treated him, quite frankly. Th- there's no there's no desire to be anything but part of the narrative. Bam. Yep. You, even when life itself was almost taken away... You, you you just want to be part of the narrative more. And notice, I don't think it's an accident that the order, he's here for two reasons, and the first one is vaccines over God. I, I This is my point about baptism versus vaccine. I just don't, how, how are these? I how, didn't believe it when you said that. I thought that was absolutely kind of an anti-vaxxer take nope. shtick. Because I, 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 I've done that for effect with my own dogmas mm-hmm. and ideology. So mm-hmm. I thought that, that you were trolling that out and I thought it was a good troll. So I let it slide. I didn't think it really had very much substance to it. And then I read this article and I'm sorry, I owe you an apology. You're right. Well, thank you, but no apology necessary. But how, again, my point is on this to bring it home, how much different has, has the church been? Corporately speaking, we know the outliers. We know one is in constantly in jail in Canada, but we know them because they're so unique. How different has the church been on this? Because it hasn't been. You have people saying things like this. Uh, I heard the words coming out of your mouth, but they slowly morphed into... Uh really low pitch kind of sounded like latin but backwards mm-hmm. and then i uh started to smell mm-hmm. sulfur and uh the studio lights in here i don't know if you noticed that started to get uh, a little a little darker mm-hmm. and then over on the wall appeared a pentagram and uh on the pentagram with lobby satani uh was a um was a syringe i just th- that was demonic I wanted to laugh at that, but it, it was absolutely, it was absolutely demonic. And, and Todd, you, you noted what I was about to note. It was antichristical as well. Putting vaccines up there with God. 
and even before God, I I just after it failed them. After it failed. Yeah. Them. After it failed them. <laughs> what do you do with that? I I don't you kick the dust from your sandals and move on. I, I, guys, we. I threw my babies into the fire to Malok last year. Yeah. We still had a crappy harvest. But let me be the point person that says, you know, it'll be even worse next fall if we don't have next harvest, if we don't throw even more babies into the fire to Malok. That's what that is. That's, you know why you, you, you thought it was demonic? Because that's what it is. Correct. Just substitute Malok, Baal. Just pick. Pick any demonic ideology that's ever existed on the earth, even ones that aren't even depicted in, in, in the biblical narrative. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what this is, is what she's articulating. And I've said this before, Steve, and this is why the baptism versus vaccination thing is so powerful. It's where do we start this, Steve? It's the minute they come out of the womb. We are set. We are throwing them into the volcano right away with all of this. Steve, how many jabs did we have when we were kids? It was something 14 to 17. Yeah, now the number's 17. up to 70. Yeah. The volcano keeps getting more and more far. We are we are progressing more into Western civilization, yet somehow we are more sick, need more help from this many jabs. It it it, it, it the, the, we are doing nothing different than an Aztec ceremony. Nothing. Again, that's why I say there's very little difference between a clean-shaven doctor in a white suit ca- uh, suitcase and somebody wearing, a, I don't know, a jaguar skull on their head, uh, completely naked in the Amazon rainforest, doing their little dance to try to heal the, the local villager. There's very little difference between the witch doctor and the white suit coat, or the white lab coat doctor we see in Western civilization. You know, we've we've had this conversation before, and it, you know, I guess it bears repeating again. You know, there, I, I believe medicine, medicine and and vaccines included, can be a miraculous, not a miracle, but a miraculous gift from God. But as you say, Todd, from the moment from the moment we exit the womb, the motivation is not to say thank you, Lord, for. No, the motivation is uh, the body that you gave us, the immune system mm-hmm. that you gave us, the design that you gave us is not good enough. Right. Yeah. There's a very big right. difference there. And I believe it, it's it's not so much a physical change, it's a change in the heart mm-hmm. of everybody. And that's very dangerous. And we're seeing that borne out. So instead of trying to strengthen it or enhance it, we're going to alter it. Correct. We're going to improve upon it. Does that sound like another concurrent movement that's happening in the country right now? Cue it up. Yeah. You know, instead of strengthening the femininity you were born with or the masculinity you were born with or enhancing it, that's not good enough. We have to alter it. All the same people, in fact. Hour two is next. All right, we're back with hour two, live and on demand, but... Probably not that much in demand, but 
Nevertheless, we persisted. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. You are you. You can let us know who that is by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook for now. Uh, you can also go to MeWe, Parlor Gab, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter for now, at Steve Dace Show or instead at Steve Dace Show on Getter. And you can get yourself clips of the show, free to watch, free of any of that pesky big tech censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. And then finally, if you are a podcast listener to the show, thank you so much. You're a big part of uh, our show's growth over the last couple of years. Please show your appreciation even further by hitting the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform of your choice and leaving us a five-star review. We would never ask you to lie. So if you don't like the show um, and you're spite listening, we appreciate uh, your clicks nevertheless. But we would ask if you just kind of like the show, if you think maybe it's a two or three star show, totally exaggerate and embellish. It's okay to, are we allowed to embellish witness? <clears throat> I mean, we can't have a false witness, right? Can we exaggerate a witness? Let's find out. So if you just kind of like the show, uh, totally exaggerate how much you like and just go right to five stars. We would greatly appreciate that if for no other reason that it will soothe our increasingly fragile male egos. So thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. Speaking of fragile male egos, if you are struggling with a receding hairline or hair loss and you don't know what to do with it uh, and you don't want to have to do it in full view of others, our friends at Keeps can help you out making it discreet and convenient because it's all done online. You just snap a few pics of your hair and then a licensed physician will come online and help prescribe the perfect treatment for you that's all FDA approved. And you get the generic versions of those treatments so that you're going to save big money uh, by getting the generic versions. We mentioned all the time and convenience and discretion by doing it all online, one-on-one. But then they offer you even bigger savings just to get you started. Half off your first order right now. When you go to keeps.com slash grow. That's K-E-E-P-S for keeps. Half off your first order to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or, or hair growth, I should say, or just take better care of your hair when you go to keeps.com slash grow. Well, over the weekend on all of my socials, I shared uh, this piece because I read it and it knocked my socks off. It is a force of nature. I think it might be the best think piece I have read so far this year. Uh, Jesse Smollett's case shows how far the Afrostocracy will go to protect its own. If you are a fan of our colleague uh, show here, uh, Jason Whitlock's, and you should be if you're not, because he's fantastic, uh, then you know the individual we're about to speak to who is the author of this piece. Delano Squires is his name, and he is the author of this piece, and it's probably way overdue to have you on this show, brother. How are you? Thanks for the time. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me on. So first of all, I want to applaud you for your subtlety. I mean, I had to read this a few times to kind of get the gist of your point and where you were coming from. No, this thing is not subtle at all. It is a neutron bomb. And I I got the sense reading it that it's one thing if we're going to debate these things within an intellectual arena. And if I think your ideas 
are played out or dumb or hypocritical. At least, you, at least you're taking me serious intellectually, so I'll return the favor to you. But right. if we're now going to have a, a, a very rich, successful, mediocre talent literally try to fake incite a race war, and now he is going to be the uh, the symbol of of uh, oppression, that's now where now you're peeing on me and telling me it's raining, as we like to see here say on this show. And I got this sense from you that this was kind of a moment for you where it's like, you know what, I'm I'm through. This is just a clown show. It needs to be treated accordingly. Am I wrong? No, I mean you're absolutely right. And you know, over the case, over the the you know time period of this entire uh, saga, which I describe as a melodrama, um, you know, people have asked me, hey, Delano, like, what, like, what do you think about Jussie Smollett? What do you think about the the fake hate crime and everything that's come about, you know, f- from his allegations? And, and for me, I mean, the the case itself, I mean, it is what it is. The the evidence was there to convict him, but beyond a reasonable doubt. But the, the bigger thing that I drew from it, and this is what I put in the piece, is is how this incident reflects on sort of the, the black liberal elites in media, um, in academia, in elected politics, in punditry, in athletics, entertainment, and business, the people I describe as the aristocracy. Um, and really, as I said, it, it reflects their moral decay um, and just their cultural irrelevance. Like they have failed to lead the larger black community. And, and some people will question whether any quote unquote community needs leaders, but if we're going to have leaders, then at least let them be good leaders. Let them um, speak about justice in ways that is actually equitable um, and champion the cause of people who are seeking injustice or, or seeking justice or looking to remedy an injustice and not glomming on to the case of a privileged, pampered celebrity who was looking to, you know, evade accountability for staging a hate crime. Um, and and the point I'm trying to make is that we've been building to this point for a very, very long time. And when you see the head of the NAACP, who, when addressing Kyle Rittenhouse's trial, said that that verdict was a worse injustice than what happened to Emmett Till. So that should give you know, your audience a sense of what type of people we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you see these people come back around and circle the wagons around Jesse Smollett, it should tell everyone you know, just how, as I said, morally bankrupt these people have become and I, and I felt it was worth talking about. I, I, I saw parallels in what you're talking about. Obviously, you're talking about a specific community, but I know from having listened to you enough on, on Whitlock's show um, that, that you, you have a bandwidth that goes beyond that, too. And mm-hmm. that th- what you're describing is not unique to, uh, to the black community or any particular community. It is... It is a metastasized tumor in the culture. I'll just one example over the weekend. So um, if, if I go online and start sharing stories from viewers and listeners that have had adverse, particularly serious adverse side effects to these jabs, I might get banned by every single platform uh, that, that matters in the country for doing that, right? On the other hand, when some mucky muck at, uh, at the Mayo Clinic comes out over the weekend and admits... You know what? 
yeah, I've had a ringing in my ears that hasn't stopped since I got my last jab. And I, I think now we, I think we probably need to actually have more of an honest conversation about, um, you know, what the adverse side effect profile is for this particular injection, uh, because he's approved by the, the narrative, what I like to call the spirit of the age. Since he is spirit of the age confirmed, he, so he gets to say this. I don't, but he gets to, which is why I shared it with a snarky reply over the weekend. Does this mean we get to tell the truth now, too? That the, that it, it, our, our culture is willing to accept truth on the basis of whether the, the teller of said truth is, is affirmed or approved by the spirit of the age to speak to a particular subject. If not, then no, you may not cross over and speak any truth whatsoever in that arena. Absolutely. And Steve, you, you're actually giving me a perfect segue into the column I have coming out later today, which um, in which I describe, um, I, I take exactly what you said and I, and I and I describe it as what I call the media laundering operations that the corporate press undertakes on behalf of, um, of the left. So specifically the activist class, elected officials um, and big business. And, and you see this the, the, the pattern follows that of, you know, money laundering schemes, right, where it's, it's, three, it's three phases. It's um, uh, placement where, you know, people engage in illegal activity, let's say drug trafficking, put um, their ill-gotten gains into legitimate financial institutions. There's layering in which these individuals use, you know, a number of sort of bookkeeping and financial tricks to... Um, make it difficult to trace the source of the money. And then there's integration in which um, the money is washed. So for instance, if, if you take dirty money, um, you know, invest it, put it in offshore accounts or make large purchases, purchase a yacht, and then you go, you turn around and sell those assets, then the money you receive back for the, from, you know, those tra- transactions is clean. And then you can take that clean money and put it um, to whatever purpose you have. And, and the, the case that I'm making in my column is that the media um, does the same thing on behalf of the interest that it serves, right? So it takes, uh, it takes ideas, right? So ideas are, are put into sort of the cultural and political space. Um, the, the second phase I call confusion, just to be straightforward, right? Where they obfuscate a particular issue. Um, they use ad hominem. Um, they police tone. Um, they go to emotional appeals. Mm-hmm. They engage in deflection, all in order so that people don't get a sense of where the real ideas are coming from, the source. And then in the third phase, which I call acceptance, um, they produce a narrative that is washed um, and acceptable to the quote-unquote mainstream that then their handlers can then use to basically bully everyone else into conformity. Uh, We've seen this with COVID. Uh, We've seen it you know, as it relates to sort of the, the mainstream corporate press and then also in the sports media uh, where you have people on ESPN who have badgered and belittled players who just question whether or not they want to take uh, the shot, right? I'm not going to call it a vaccine because it doesn't do what vaccines have traditionally done. Mm-hmm. But when someone like Mike Wilbon, for instance, on ESPN criticizes Kevin Durant for not telling Kyrie Irving to just stick the needle in your arm and take the shot, that's exactly what he's in. He's engaging in media laundering. Um, and, you know, I think the way you, you framed it is, is perfect. And we see that on issue after issue. And what ha- ends up happening is that the left um, knows it can get away with this 
And by doing so, it keeps them from having to stand flat-footed and explain with a detailed, simplified language why it is that they're, um, you know, pursuing a particular uh, uh, policy or, or cultural remedy that they choose. So instead of saying why um, abortion should be legal up until the point of birth, they engage in, you know, using euphemisms like reproductive justice um, to sort of shroud the issue. Instead of saying why the government should force people to take uh, a shot that neither prevents transmission or infection, they just tell you to shut up, um, that you're going to kill your grandma or, or your grandchild, depending on how old you are. And everyone else in, in sort of the, that arena takes that message and then can use it as a cudgel in a club to beat people into submission. I think what you've just articulated, because one of the things our audiences struggle with is, how does Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon have jobs? I mean, mm. the, the, Anderson Cooper is the number one rated show on CNN's primetime lineup. He's like the 19th or 21st most watched show in cable news. All right. I mean, how do, how do these people have jobs? Does anybody know what what a Chris Hayes even is on MSNBC? Would, would you know if you didn't turn into if you didn't hear counter arguments playing his clips? Would would he originate organic response on his own without the duopoly of the, the back and forth of the partisan political paradigm? So how do these people survive? It's because they're operating under a different business model as opposed mm-hmm. to what I operate with here, which is provided I don't get everybody banned and can draw us a sufficient audience to justify my salary, Tyler and Gaston let me say just about anything I want. All right. That's the that's that's a traditional employment arrangement, right? These individuals in the in the spheres that you're talking about, brother, aren't operating in that traditional arrangement. They're they're operating in the orig- arrangement that you just articulated, where success is not determined by eyeballs, but by checking of boxes of narratives. And did you affirm and fulfill those narratives? If you did, then that's really the number one goal here. And whatever eyeballs we happen to get is the bonus. That's the gravy. That's the that's the frosting on the cake uh, absolutely and and one of the things um f- for me and this this resonates personally with me right I, I i i write twice a week i appear you know on jason whitlock's show fearless with jason whitlock twice a week um i'm engaged in some of these cultural debates and and steve one of the most important <clears throat> things that keeps me on the straight and narrow is the fact that i put a tremendous amount of stock in the respect that I can maintain, first, from my wife, from my family, from my friends, from my loved ones, from people who would know if I was getting on TV or, or putting pen to paper and saying things that I don't believe, mm-hmm. right? But if you're a man who has no self-respect, um, frankly, if you have no wife to, to tell you, hey, you told me something completely different the other day, why are you getting on TV and saying something to your couple thousand viewers um, that's that's in contrast to what you said the other night. And it's one of these things where we see th- this type of dynamic in the media time after time where these people get get on TV and they they position themselves as moral compasses, but really what they are are cultural weather vanes. They just blow in whatever direction the 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 interests behind them tell them to blow. So it's one day we're marching, you know, to the right. Everybody's moving to the right. 
And then the next day, whether it's Dr. Fauci on this issue, whether it's, you know, someone talking about Leah Thomas and, you know, the transgender pen swimmer on, on that issue, they say, OK, opposite direction. And then they move to the left and then they march dutifully. And every time they move, they require their viewers, um, their sponsors and, and big business to move in lockstep. Um, and, and, and that's why I can feel so confusing to people, you know, when you go from masks and no mask and um, when Trump was in office, the jab is going to kill you. Who would trust the FDA, according to Joy Reid? And then as soon as Biden gets in office, you must take the jab. Or if not, you want to kill your grandma. And, and all of these things have an effect. And that's one of my issues. I, I'm, I'm right in the D.C. area. We recently lifted, you know, the, the uh, mask mandates. And when I took, you know, my kids to the playground the other day, 80 percent of the kids outdoors were still wearing masks. Um, and you see that. And even on my drive in, into the studio, I'd say at least 30 percent of people in their cars by themselves with the windows rolled down were still wearing masks. So when you are a person who deals in the currency of ideas and information and you lie to people in an unrelenting fashion for an extended period of time, the anxiety and neurosis that you condition within them is cruel and unusual punishment. Mm -hmm. And I wish some of the people we're talking about are talking about could be brought up on charges for that. Case in point, right the segment before you came on, we have a weekly segment on our show, Fake News or Not, where we even look, we'll look at a particular clip or a series of clips or articles that, and we determine is that real news or isn't it? And this week I took an article from Sports Illustrated, first time we've ever done this. And it's an article about the head of the American Football Coaches Association, Todd Berry is his name, 61 years old. And they begin to tell you about how he had this life and death battle with COVID-19. He was one of the rare people at Baylor University's hospital that was ever put on a ventilator and actually walked out of the ICU. And the doctors told him that when he did. And what a tremendous story this was. In the 19th paragraph, brother, the 19th paragraph of this story, they tell you the author, Ross Dellinger, finally unburies the lead. No pre-existing health conditions, and he had gotten both of his Moderna shots. He had gotten both of his Moderna shots, and he had no underlying medical conditions, and he still is one of the few people to walk out of Baylor University's ICU once being on a ventilator. And then two paragraphs later, his wife literally says, Todd is still alive today for two reasons, God and the vaccine. Mm -hmm. It failed him. It failed him, and then the rest of the article, they turn it into a commercial for why you should just continue to get boosters. I, to me, I, this, is, this isn't political. This is, this is epistemological. The, I, the, 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 we can't determine what is accurate or true. We can't critically think for ourselves. The, the well that we go to for information and data is rotten to the core. We've been dumbed down into sloganeering so that the, you wouldn't think for yourself. And I told my audience last hour, brother, that for a long time, we had largely here on the right, right parodied the fact that this was really relegated to the American left. Unfortunately, that's not the truth any longer. This is systemic, okay? Systemic so that the former head football coach at Army with his Christian wife is putting a vaccine that failed her husband and put him on a ventilator on an equal footing with God in crediting him for his healing. Uh, this, is, uh, this goes beyond our traditional partisan paradigms, I think. And I think that's why you're seeing people like Bill Maher sitting down with Ben Shapiro now. As right. I think there's a lot of people from various persuasions that are smelling BS. 
and 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 we can see sort of the cracks starting to form. And and really, I think what it'll take is is people like Bill Maher, people of the left, who have sort of the cultural authority and, and the moral weight to challenge the left um, on some of the things that they engage in. So, I mean, as it relates to to COVID, as you said, people I've seen, I mean, countless individuals who will say. Yes, I, I finally came down with COVID. I had a scratchy throat, and or someone like, you know, Stephen A. Smith again from ESPN, who said he ended up in a hospital around New Year's, right? So they'll tell their symptoms, and immediately that that's followed by, I, I was vaccinated, double boosted. Thank God for the vac- for the vaccine, or if not, it would have been way worse. And again, th- this this has never been how we've talked about vaccines. People like to bring up that. You know, all of us as as children, if you went to, to school, had to get, you know, a, a suite of vaccines. And that's true. That's why most of us don't know anyone who has polio or measles, mumps or rubella, because when our parents heard they were taking they were giving us a vaccine for a particular disease, they had the expectation that if they did that on Monday, we wouldn't come down with the, with the disease on Thursday. Obviously, that's not the case right now. And that's why people are skeptical, not just of the shots themselves, but more so of the government mandates right, that say you have to have this shot as a condition of employment or in order to um, send your children to school. But the, 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 the aftermath, right, or the effect of what you're talking about um, is huge. It's the same thing as it relates to, to issues of gender. I, I saw a New York Times article, um, headline yesterday about, it said that an 83-year-old woman um, who killed two people, two women, has was recently, I guess, caught with the dismembered body of a third woman in her apartment. And the first thing I thought was, man, I don't know many 83-year-old women who have the strength to harm anyone. But it's not till you get into the article that you realize that the person they're calling a woman is actually a man hmm. who now identifies as a woman, <laughs> but in 1963 killed his first living girlfriend, did some time for that, got out, and in 19, I think, 85, killed his second living girlfriend, got out and was living with another woman um, when this individual, I, I think, killed and decapitated this person. So it, it, it is impacting our ability to process um, and understand information. And that really has some serious, serious long-term effects. And Steve, I'm, I'm glad you, you pointed out that this is, is a systemic issue. It's also a bipartisan issue, as, as you said. It's not, it's not you know, relegated to the left. Because when Matt Schlapp, the president of CPAC, retweets an article about Leah Thomas, mm-hmm. right? Again, mm-hmm. the Penn transgender swimmer. So a, a man, a male, who is dusting the competition because men and women are different and men have physical advantages that no amount of hormones can undo. When Matt Schlapp says he can't wait to see her, uh, Leah's, um, you know, sort of point of view on this 30 years from now and how this is an incredible story, conservatives were right to call him, you know, to account and to and to basically give him a public thrashing because what he's doing is um, he's seeding ground that we desperately need to maintain. Mm-hmm. And he's giving the left, again, a, a cudgel to beat nonconformist conservatives into submission so that in two years, Every conservative outlet will be referring to biological males as she if, yeah. if, the les, if the left tells them to do so. That's exactly right. Let's bring it full circle. I got about two minutes here. Okay. Bring it first, full circle back to your piece. 
I've told our audience for years, the power the media has is not in its bias of what it says, its ability to just program people, but its ability to anoint who actually gets to says the things uh, that mm. you see. Okay. Is the answer here to your piece? Is the answer here better black leadership or getting rid of the notion that segments of society require leaders, that individuals cannot mm. just speak for themselves? Um, and that doesn't mean, by the way, you obviously have a different skin pigment than me. I would assume you have a certain different life perspective because of that to some degree. But in the end, we're also both made in the same in the image of God. And, and, and so why can't individuals just speak for themselves? Why, why do we need to all do we need to anoint an alternative class? That, that is a great question. I'm going to try to keep it quick because I know you say you only have two minutes. Right. Um, a, a couple of things. I'm glad you noted you know, that we are both image bearers and, and in addition to that, both brothers in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So our foundation ultimately is the same. To your question of leadership, do I think that, let, let's, let's be, be specific, do I think ethnic minorities um, within any country need leaders? No, not necessarily. I, th I think uh, a community can have progress without quote unquote leaders. Um, but typically what happens is in any country, there is a leadership class. And to the extent that the, the larger leadership class in, includes a number of people who identify as black, then de facto these become black leaders, right? Um, so to answer your question, I think, you know, we need both a better class of black leaders. So I, I love to see people like Glenn Lowry and Jason Whitlock and, um, you know, Ian Rowe and Jason Riley get more attention for the work that they're producing and, and Bob Woodson. But we also need what I describe as a barbershop revolution, where working class, particularly black men, have the space to talk about anything they want without feeling that they have to censor themselves or neuter themselves in the presence of typically uh, women who, who hold different views. And that we, we could get to real issues and have real vigorous debates so that when we go out in the public sphere, we're not having fake conversations where people um, men talk about toxic masculinity or talk about the, the, their notion that the black community doesn't need intact families. It just needs more resources from the government and less racist white people. Mm -hmm. Right. When I'm in, when my, when I'm in my barbershop, sometimes the conversations start there. They never end there because, um, in that space, th there's the ability to talk about these issues in, in ways that are real, um, and don't feel so, um, beholden to the left's narrative. So I, I think it's a both and. Uh, I love the way you started. Um, my feet are firmly planted in the reality that God has created. And anything I build on top of that, I feel comfortable can stand the, stand the test of time. Well, there's another thing we have in common. Trust me, there are plenty of white folks in the burbs, plenty of white guys in the burbs who wanted to say something about their kids wearing those damn Chinese face diapers 16 months ago, but their Karen wives told them you'll be couching it forever if you do. Mm. So they kept their mouths shut and let the tyranny go on. Again, this mm. stuff is a cancer doesn't care about your skin tone, man, it, or right. your socioeconomic status. The tumor will metastasize if unaddressed just the same. We got to have you back, man. Really appreciated it. Thank you very much, and thank you for the work you're doing. All right? Take care. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet means a lot to you because it's part
part of your family. And that goes beyond just food and water. You want to make sure that little rascal is healthy, right? Unfortunately, a lot of the pet food that uh, we buy for our pets these days at the store, stripped of a lot of the vitamins and minerals and nutrients your pet needs for the same reasons that our food is too, because of mass production these days. That's why we're taking so many supplements. Now there's one for your pet as well. It's called Rough Greens. It's the supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food. It was my turn to feed Cap last night. I mixed in with his food. The dog went insane. Absolutely insane. All right. So see if you don't get the same response from your dog in two weeks or less. We'll give you the first jumpstart bag for free when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com. You just pay for the shipping, but that jumpstart bag is free or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right. 30 seconds for both of you for a reaction to the conversation we just had with uh, Delano Squires here from the Jason Whitlock Fearless Show. Well, he is... I, I love just the commonality of purpose uh, that column specifically talking about problems within the black uh, community, but he understands what the problems really are because he doesn't view them as uniquely black problems. He views them as problems of children of God. And that's refreshing. Anytime we have a guest like that on the show. All right, we'll come back, and I want to get Aaron, I want to get your feedback on this, and then we'll get to our review of The Batman for Pop Culture Tuesday when we return here on The Steve Day Show here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. If you're trying to monetize your social media presence on platforms like Facebook, for example, uh, check out our friends over at Marpipe. They are the new multivariant testing platform for platforms like Facebook uh, Their ad with their ad creative team that will let you do creative that tests better. The average Marpipe customer reports that their ad performance doubles in less than 30 days. It's not some shady offer that you're going to find in your spam folder. I've walked through uh, their own presentation and how they work and how they operate. Truly, they've got some impressive stuff. They're an Adobe-backed ad tech platform remaking the digital creative industry. Uh, You just upload your assets and MarPipe will create hundreds of ad variants and seamlessly launch them with one click. So MarPipe, they work with companies that are spending tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook to brands such as large as Tubi, Quip, and others at Business Insider calls MarPipe the money ball of social media ad creative. If you're spending over $25,000 a month on Facebook advertising, then you need a company like MarPipe today. Book a free demo at MarPipe, just like it sounds, M-A-R-P-I-P-E, marpipe.com slash Steve right now and get a free $2,000 credit to get you started. Don't wait. Offer is only good for a limited time, a free $2,000 credit at marpipe.com slash Steve. Again, marpipe.com slash Steve. All right, so Aaron, before we move on to Pop Culture Tuesday, we ran out of time there, but I wanted to get your reaction to the conversation we had with Delano Squires from uh, the Jason Whitlock Fearless Show. Uh, what a what a very very uh, intelligent. In fact, I you know I'm surprised you're actually letting me talk after listening to him because uh, the the gap in in terms of intelligence is is quite <laughs> pronounced. Um, I I think 
I think at the end of the day, uh, kind of the two topics that we talked about here, uh, which was, you know, the, the media's role in shaping and creating narratives and um, the, uh, the uh, what did he call it? The Afro... Uh, uh, Afrostocracy. Afrostocracy. It's really one, it's really the same story. And it's really the same story of what we were talking about earlier in the show. Todd's money line, if I, if I may, there is no desire to be a part of anything other than the narrative. In response to, and I probably butchered that, Todd, but that's what we see here. Um, yeah, there's what's driving the spirit of the age is 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 power, obviously. What's driving it is um, ego on a smaller scale. But really, the 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 massive the meta the meta thing here is the attachment to the narrative. And it's the feeling that everybody who pursues that gets. It really is their God. When you abandon something, you never, you, you, you never fully go secular. Secular in and of itself is, is a bit of an oxymoron. You're just replacing one God for another. Yes. In an, ex, in an increasingly secular society, you got to fill that God-shaped hole with something. Whether it's Jussie Smollett one day, whether it's Anthony Fauci the next year, whether it's Barack Obama 10 years ago, whether it's Zelensky tomorrow, whether it's vaccines yesterday, masks today, um, third booster tomorrow, whether it's the Ukrainian flag in your header, whether it's Coney 2012 or 2011, whatever that was, if you remember that from over a decade ago. The narrative is these people's God because it makes them feel, it makes them feel whole, a part of something, a part of a community. But it's really a false bill of good, goods, I should say. It's not real. It's not lasting. It's not even transcendent it's just a fleeting feeling it's all emotion and guys um i don't need to say this to you but when you're led and when you're acting purely on emotion and nothing else that leads to some very very dark places as you've said or at least um alluded to numerous occasions the last two years, the last two years has not been, has not been a departure from what was the norm. It was the harvest of the, of, of the seeds that have been planted in this culture for a long time. And, um, the conversation that we had with uh, Delano really, I think is, is indicative, indicative of that. There's a long ways to go to get it back up, back up the slippery slope. We are, we are plumbing new depths every day and it is going to get darker. In other words, revival or bust. So, because that is largely 
a decision beyond our pay grade. Make sure you are prepared. Should indeed it it turn out to be bust, did you guys see today? Set an all-time record in the uh, producer's price index yeah, increase. And you know the producers aren't going to eat that cost, right? They're going to yeah. pass it on down to the Oh, I've felt some passing so far, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, folks, make sure you're prepped for when the next time, or oh, that could never happen here. Uh, it, it happens here. Get the three-month emergency food kit from our friends at My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, specializing in long-term food storage that stays good up to 25 years with proper protocols. Uh, three square meals a day, plus snacks and drinks for you and everyone in your care. Uh, for three months, you'll have it to give you that peace of mind delivered discreetly to your door. And if you get it from preparewithdace.com, you can save 150 bucks and get free shipping today at preparewithdace.com. Again, that's preparewithdace.com. All right, spoiler alert as we go to Pop Culture Tuesday. It is time to review The Batman. This is the 10th Batman movie since you and I were in high school, uh, Todd. I think it's the fourth different Batman franchise, right? You had Nolan's, you had Burton's. Uh, well, fifth, if you, well, Schumacher was kind of a, a was, was tied to the Burton yeah. universe. All right. So you had the, the, the Burton Schumacher universe. That's one Nolan two, the Snyder versus three. So yeah, this is the fourth yeah. different Batman universe. Have, have, I haven't even asked, have you guys, either one of you seen this yet? Yeah. No, you have seen it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, my son came home, he saw a special advanced IMAX screening like a week before the movie came out. Our IMAX theory here in town was one of the ones selected for this. And he came home buzzing like I did when I first saw The Dark Knight at the IMAX here in town the first time. And I mean, he's like, Dad, this is like one of the best, maybe the best movie I've seen in my life. Okay. And he goes, I, I, I think it might even be better than The Dark Knight. That's how good I think it is. And I'm like, I don't know. But you know, I don't want to be nostalgia, Dad. Okay. Maybe it is better. Right. So I gave it a shot the first time. I thought the first hour, hour and a half was masterpiece level genre storytelling. And then I thought the story kind of bogged down and the villain kind of bogged down from that time forward. They they kind of try at the end of the movie a Joker setup like they do at Batman Begins, but I actually like the way it was done in Batman Begins better. And I just thought that the movie began as greatness and then ended up just kind of being pretty good. And I thought it was a good movie for sure. I just didn't think it was transcendent. I went and saw it again over the weekend and I liked it a lot more the second time because there are little rhetorical flourishes now that I caught that I didn't catch the first time. And you can see how much this movie really is. If seven were turned into a comic book movie, this is the movie. So if you know the movie seven, it rains like the whole time the movie is going on, right? That's, ex that's pretty much what goes on here. All right. The, the vibe of the movie, the music of the movie, the use of slow motion, the narration, all right out of seven. The fact that you don't realize until after the movie's over that you saw Kevin Spacey's character by accident. It, well, it was in the story, but you accidentally see him in the story at the very beginning on the stairs. Okay. And then you find out at the end, he was the killer. He was underneath their nose the whole time. When you get the pictures, when they see the pictures of what's going on at the iceberg lounge, when you look at the camera angle of where those pictures are coming from, that's coming from, he was there the whole time. He was just right across the street at that hotel when he reveals himself at the end, when he tries to shoot him. Okay. Shoot Maroney. Um, 
that's a, that to me that was a nice touch uh, something else i picked up on when the batman enters it's out of the shadows with the slow haunting walk and you hear his boots right that is how the riddler enters rooms as well same thing there were so I, there's a lot more about this movie that i liked from a symmetry standpoint the on, on second viewing um I, I, there's a couple of throwaway woke lines in there, I guess, from Catwoman, but I didn't, I mean, the, the movie is about, uh, the hero of the movie is a white guy who takes his billion fortune and does nothing with it other than turn it in. He's not even a philanthropist at this point, right? At this point, he's just, he's putting his entire family fortune. In fact, one of the plot lines is Alfred's like, Hey man, you gotta, we gotta go meet with the accountants. Companies just hemorrhaging money. He's like, I don't care. I, I'm I'm spending every every dime we have on my on our family's legacy, which is and cleaning up the criminal element in this city. I, I so except for a couple of you know lines about um, white, there was a white privilege reference. I just didn't get that kind of you know major woke vibe from the movie whatsoever. Um, I, I didn't like. I still don't like the Catwoman as much as I thought that I would. And maybe it's just because this is the third time it's been done now, you know? Um, but there's much more about this movie that I liked on the second go around. And and I like how at the end, Batman recognizes. So from a, from a tone setting or, or, and tone and setting perspective, this is the darkest Batman they've made yet. And this is, a, this is very much if Tim Burton wanted to take the flashy colors of the 60s Batman show and update it for an 80s audience and turn that into a comic book come to life. This movie does it for those of us that grew up reading uh, The Long Halloween or The Dark Knight Returns level of Batman. This is the most comic active or comic accurate portrayal aesthetically of Gotham City we've ever seen. It's its own character. It's beautifully shot. All right. Um, but at the end, he recognizes I've got to be more. I can't. Uh, the city needs more of it than an avenging angel. It needs inspiration. All right. And so at the beginning of the film, all he does is operate during the day. At the end of the film, he recognizes he needs to come out into the light. And so there's much more about this film that I, I liked on second viewing. I still don't think it's The Dark Knight because I think The Dark Knight's about a perfect movie. But I do think as a trilogy starter, if that's what this is, they're not saying how many of these they'll make. They are saying there'll be at least a sequel. There's going to be some spinoff series on HBO Max, one of them about Arkham Asylum. But as a, assuming it starts some kind of a universe, I think it's better than Batman Begins, which I like quite a bit. But So I liked it better on second viewing. Todd, what did you think? It's a pretty good movie. I'd give it a B plus. I... I I think I still prefer uh, Batman Begins. I, and unlike you, like here's here's one of the tests. I, I I enjoyed my time in the theater. I have no desire to go racing back to see it a second time. Uh, I, I think I got it. Uh, it's um, I agree that the, the look of it is great. The, the the sound is great. I don't have any major issues with any uh, story points. I the one I I don't like what they did with. Um, Thomas Wayne, um, I, I I think that that is a comic accurate story. Just so you know that that is, is in the comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, but they make it 
clear that he's not the he doesn't pay to have the guy killed. The, that mm-hmm. the, that Falcone just took that to the next right. step in order to right. basically own have Tom be, have Thomas Wayne in mm-hmm. his back pocket. But the idea that his father did a little business on the side with some of the seedier elements because he couldn't get the city moving forward without doing business, getting his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. That is a very comic accurate storyline. The thing I like the best, I think, is at the end when the Riddler mob of online uh, jackasses come out in their own masks and they and and there's a scene where they ask who he is and he says i'm vengeance yes mirroring what batman said earlier in the movie uh that's pretty chilling because that's basically twitter troll bot universe uh, and they do yes. not intend to do anything good. That really is the thing about it that got out of comic book land the most for me and struck home to be a narrative that we need to take to heart here because we we just have created uh, with within uh, there's women have their own issues. I'm speaking. We created a lot of young zombies in in uh, in the male cybersphere. And that's unemployment. Guys who who don't have the balls to ask a woman out, but but think that they're essentially the incel brigade of badasses at the same time. Yes. Yeah. That's it, essentially Riddler's followers. Yeah. yeah. So, but I I I had a good uh, a good time in the movies, uh, and and uh, Batman uh, Robert Pattinson. I was kind of skeptical. He came through. He's a good Batman for what they're trying to do. I I thought he did a good job. I agree. So you haven't seen it yet, Aaron. You have any thoughts on what we had to say before we get out of here? Uh, can I take a seven-month-old to it? No. Oh, no, okay. and you should not, like, no, kids, this is not for no kids. No, it, it, it earns its PG-13. It, it definitely does. So, so no Ben. No, no, okay. this is, this is, this well, is. Ben, you could. Well, he, Ben's it depends other, on, can he, can he he's sleep? He's not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, Ben's can he other, sleep through it? I went to one of the Lord of the Rings movie with a baby in a bassinet once, and we made that work. Nice. We were able to time it out with our first, with Anna, it, that, we could actually still go to the movies all the time until she turned about two and a half because she would just sleep through the movie. Yeah. Then she wouldn't anymore and we couldn't go to movies at all until unless we had a babysitter until she was like you know, five or six when she actually wanted to go to some now. But um, no, this is dark for sure. I mean, it, the, the Redler's a serial killer. It doesn't it's not it doesn't grow graphically show his crimes, but they are clearly and uh, transparently alluded to. He's portrayed as a Zodiac style of killer. Same sort of methodology as the Zodiac Killer. So, no, I mean, this is not a Batman movie for, I don't even think, five or six-year-old or seven-year-old no. boys. No, no. And I, and I still, the Lord's name in vain thing, to me, I, I can't handle it, like, almost at, at all, period. It's utilized way too much in this film. I, frankly, if, if I would have gladly traded all those being F-bombs and it's rated R- for how many times that is said in the film. I, I just found it incredibly distracting. I, I, didn't know that, I, I don't know that there's a serious line of dialogue in the film that doesn't include it, actually. So that, that's, a main, that's a huge pet peeve for me. All right. Tomorrow, buy, sell, or hold, and more on a Wednesday, and then we're out of here for the rest of the week. So you only have to put up with us for one more day. We'll stick around to the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, until that one more day, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.